In this episode, get a chance to know the teaching team behind Malman's courses for Chicago youth in 6th to 12th grade. Go behind the scenes to learn how Amira Coleman and Josue Asaiu come together to collaborate to design, plan, and facilitate the course, Voting the Future, Book Art and Time Travel. In the class, young artists made one-of-a-kind artist books that expressed their vision of the future. Over 10 weeks, they learned bookbinding, collage, and experimented with different ways to construct books, all while being centered in creative youth development. In this episode, enjoy the highlights of each artist's experiences teaching at Malwin and the process the teaching team used to design the class. All right. Welcome. Thank you all so much for being on the podcast. Excited to talk to you more and get to know more about your practices and what it's like teaching at Mullen. Yeah, thank, thank you for, you having, for us. having us. <laughs> Absolutely. Jinx. I know. You can tell you've been working together. <laughs> yeah, we're in sync. <laughs> totally. Well, I always like to get started with just knowing a little more background about my guests. So if y'all wouldn't mind sharing more about your art practice and what are you up to these days? Amira, would you, you like go to first? Leave? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can go first. My name's Amira. Um, I'm a teaching artist at Marwin. I'm a meta emerging teaching artist. And so far, my art practice has been very experimental based but visual like visual experimental I've been doing drawing painting digital stuff some like fiber work like embroidery and felt and those types of things Mm. um and right now I've been doing a lot more digital drawing and I've been trying to like hone in on like my different I've been trying to teach myself some more skills and like hone in on like really like digging into like figuring out the digital medium and like painting digitally and and also just kind of like I don't know making things that scratch that itch like there's this thing that I keep thinking about how like I'll see some really good art and it like makes me like it puts like this urgency in me that I'm like I need to make things Mm -hmm. I need to like get like scratch that itch so that's kind of been what I've been trying to do is like find ways that like uh, give me that feeling where I'm like ooh, (laughs) like I I feel like creatively satisfied so that's why I think that's why I do so much experimental work because I there, I just like to jump around and like see how things feel and see how different mediums feel to me. I feel uh, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Josue? But in a similar vein, I also like I'm feeling pretty wanting to branch out a lot. I come from I had a lot of a sculptural background. I did a lot of woodworking, starting in high school, metalsmithing in undergrad, paper making was something I was really drawn to. Um, and I learned bookbinding and like book arts around the same, like in the same class, I learned paper making. So I, like, I, I guess I spent a lot of my undergraduate years kind of like really putting a skill set together, putting a lot of like, I was just really like explorative as far as materials. Uh, even though I like sculpture, clay has never been my favorite, you know, that's a caveat. But conceptually though, my work has been like kind of always interrogating my relationship to my immigration status you know, I was born in Honduras and a lot of like my work has been, I'm reflecting on it now and my more recent statements reflect this is like, I guess my work has been like a searching for a home, a sense of comfort, a sense of belonging. And it's looked like a lot of different things in the past. But more recently, as I graduated from my, uh, my graduate program, I was doing archiving work, trying to find like family legacy, trying to 
kind of like collect what I do have and find a sense of belonging and like a history and a sense of family history. And what that looks like more currently, I'm like more interested. I've been really, really digging into like my Mesoamerican like ancestry, uh, which I have vague connections to, but it's something that I've been really drawn to. And I'm trying to think more through like object making and how to bring those cultures and that history and that ancestry back out as like a visual exploration, but also as like a historic exploration for myself because I'm wanting to make objects. I also have to do a lot of research to find things out about those, those cultures and what they valued and how I can bring those into the present and the future, right? Which is also something that came up in our class. Mm, yes, that's so interesting. And so it sounds like your work is very personal. It is. And there was some times where I was engaging like my, like how it felt to be an immigrant, but I, re- I moved away from that and also moved into, like I mentioned the archiving project. That was actually a communal project where I was workshopping and like sharing oral history and archiving skills. So I'm also interested in how art can be of service to particularly mm-hmm. for the communities that we care about most, you know? Yes, yes. Love that. And so it's interesting because both of your practices are so different and yet I can see kind of connecting thread with like experimenting and archiving and just the love of making is what I feel from Mm -hmm. both of y'all and Mm -hmm. so I'm curious what made you pivot or I don't know if maybe you always wanted to become a teaching artist but what made you want to take your practice and share it with others I was fortunate enough to, so I was raised in San Antonio, in in Texas, um, Texas. Mm -hmm. and I was fortunate enough to attend a program that's actually very similar to Marwen, and it's called CC, San Antonio Youth, yes, and like the the similarities are kind of uncanny, right, like they almost feel like sister programs or sister organizations. Um, Very cool. And so I was a student there, I started middle school, went through high school, and experienced kind of like an extracurricular arts education that where like they gave me the agency, the resources to just kind of make and whatever, like kind of like lead my practice a little bit. And I think I naturally like grew into mentorship roles. They had like pathways for that. Um, I eventually like taught there a little bit, mentored in the wood shop. And so this just feels like a very natural extension of that here in Chicago. It's something I really missed actually uh, while I was in grad school. So that's how I find myself here and drawn to teaching. Um, how about you, Amira? Um, my my path was pretty similar too. I um I grew up in Chicago, so I did like um, after school matters, which is kind of like I feel like the counterpart to Marwin. It's like you either do after school matters or Marwin. And I did um, a program at the Art Institute called Teen Lab. And I remember when it dawned on me that there was a job that was being an artist who taught, <laughs> like who taught like after school programs, and like were, were able to like have. I think when I was in school, like the idea of being an art teacher, like in a regular like CPS school didn't appeal to me as much because I think I saw like a lot of the, yeah, like a Mm -hmm. lot of the restriction and a lot of just like the chaos and things that just like discourage people from being teachers and like just things that I knew that, yeah, like when I would be like maybe get out of high school and be like going to college, I might not be ready to deal with type of thing. And then when I did this program, I was like, oh, there's other avenues of still like working with young people and teaching and also still having like that freedom that feels like you're not being like beholden to like a system of like mm-hmm. grading and all that kind of stuff. And so when I did mm-hmm. that program, I, I did it, I think, from my sophomore year all the way until I was a senior in high school. And I like met some of the most inspiring artists and like my mentor, the people who were teaching me were like, 
artists that I still try to keep up with and still like really love their work and really like just appreciate them so much for how much confidence they gave me and how much like belief in myself and ability and like to, like looking at my own work from them like I so I grew so much with how I would explore and like be as an artist and it like just gave me so much and like I remember when I graduated I was really sad because I was like I wish I could be here forever I wish I could do this and I remember thinking oh wait I can I could do this I could find a place where I could you know be, be the people who who made me feel so empowered as an artist and so it just like I felt so like strongly about what I got from it that I felt like it was just my duty almost to like then return the favor and also do that and I just know like how important it was for me to have that space and have that experience and be able to just like grow without any kind of bounds and it, it just felt it just felt like something that's so important for like young people and young artists to have so I felt like if it felt I felt drawn to it. So I was like, I should I should dig into that. Yeah. Yes, I think that's so important to like see other people who are passionate as educators to teach because we need like really amazing educators in the world. So I'm glad y'all are both coming from such a place, such an authentic place. But it also makes me wonder I know thinking about my own personal experience of my parents and like going into this creative world. How did your family re- respond to you wanting to become like artists and become teaching artists? Were they supportive? Were they kind of like, what's going on? I'm just curious. How did they respond to this path? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I have immigrant like parents too. <laughs> so I feel you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember... This 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 came up. This has come up a few times, right? I, I was part of a like a leadership institute workshop, one week thing, uh, and it was focused on immigrants. Right? It's a lot of Latinos. It's, it's through not like a national arts organization, but they took a poll of like, you know, how many people in the room are their first in their family to pursue the arts, you know? And it's like there was maybe like thirty people in the room, and like everybody save like two had their hands up, and like that was a very point of moment for me. Where I was like, oh, okay we're all kind of in this, like we've experienced this together similarly. For me personally, it manifested as like, as long as I could convince or like kind of like couch whatever I was doing in something that was like a tangible skill for my dad, you know, it was easy with woodworking. It was easy with like even jewelry or metalsmithing, but with something like papermaking or book arts, like I, yeah, I didn't have a way to like say like, you know, this is, this is what this is going to manifest as as a job later on, you know. I'm grateful that my dad was supportive regardless, but it took some like finessing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I am grateful. My family, or at least my parents, were pretty receptive of me deciding that I want to do art. My grandpa was an artist, so I think that kind of my grandpa and my dad are artists. So like my grandpa was a sign maker for like almost his entire life, like traditional like Chicago mm-hmm. sign painting. And so my mom grew up in like an artistic household. Like my grandpa had like a whole basement studio and like I used to go down there with him so like I think the seeds were sown <laughs> for me to like pursue art and so I think my parents came to terms with the idea that I was probably going to be doing something creative and I think even like as a child I they would be like what do you want to be and I'm like oh maybe a writer or maybe this so it was always something creative and I think what the like maybe the pressure like the judgment came from more so like outside of my family or like maybe from extended family and probably even for myself and my parents like love them to death because they would be like, no, you can do it and we'll support you. And like, 
we're happy that this is something that you chose and that will make you happy and like don't worry about what other people are saying and like focus on yourself and your path and what you feel drawn to and so I'm so grateful that that is like the support I came from because I I know if I had a little bit more discouragement I might have <laughs> chose something different or doubted like that this could be something I could do that would mm. keep me afloat and make me feel good yeah I agree I think I had support from my family too, but I have stories from so many of my friends who didn't. And I think that if mm-hmm. you don't get the support from family, you find it other places, right? You find mentors, mm-hmm. you find friends. And if it's something that you are truly passionate about, you'll figure it out. But it definitely is hard. So I think that's something I always think about with Malwin. We have young people who are creative, right? Most of them are people of color and they may not have support from their families. Maybe they do. But just, I think your experience, that's why it's so powerful to kind of share like what you've gone through or, you know, your experience as an artist to share with the students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I may, I'm also yeah. like, like to highlight, I, I appreciated when Amir had told me about their grandpa before. And I think I really appreciated it because it's like that legacy like that lives on obviously like you know through the family but also like in your hands like you know you, you that's passed down like that's something you practice and sometimes it's not so straightforward right like sound painting like I, I love that because it's like a direct like you know art form can be uh I think for me for my dad like my dad's a mechanic um mm-hmm. he works with his hands and like I always kind of like trace that back too where I'm like that legacy is there even if it's like maybe harder to connect you know directly uh I'm grateful for that and I think we we might owe it to our ancestors too, some Definitely. some generations back. <laughs> yeah, no, I I love that connection you're talking about because I remember we talked about um you were saying how like you used to work or you used to be in your dad's shop with him and you would be making things and like building stuff <laughs> and like making sculptures and like that, that and I that made me smile because that's how I used to be with my grandpa like drawing at his like huge like um desk thing and he would be doing some amazing sign and I'd be just doodling stuff and it just Mm. to be like side by side with someone co like co-creating or you know doing doing something together like you're drawing inspiration but also still like creating on your own it's it's like it's like little beautiful seeds (laughs) (laughs) I love that and y'all both have people in your family who are kind of creative or makers with, you know, they use their hands to make things or do things. I think that's, that's so cool. I wish I had that. <laughs> but you mentioned a little bit about co-creating or working together. And I know that you both have been co-teaching for the past term in your Malwin class. And I want to get into it because I want to highlight all the incredible work you've been doing. But to take a step back, can y'all just share a little bit about your class and how did you come up with the idea to even start it? Like, how did you bring both of your practices together to create this class for Malwin? You can go yeah, for it. it is hard to trace individual like mm-hmm. steps, but we definitely like. I think I think it was pretty intentional that they paired us together. Uh, the staff, um, mm-hmm. they had a like. I think it's hard to wonder which parts they like clicked out from us, but it was obviously when we first met, when we first had our like meeting with Kate, that like we both really enjoyed sci-fi. We both like had a lot of these things in common. And it was pretty easy to like, kind of like nail down as a theme, right? Like we wanted to think about the future. We wanted to think about like, right within that sci-fi realm, like how can we imagine and really be fantastical with like at least the conceptual and thematic parts of our class. Um, and then 
I think we just mentioned like the skills and the things that we would be interested in pursuing as far as technical exploration, right? I can't remember how exactly we settled on book binding though, or book arts. Um, yeah, that's what I was scenes. trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah, I think we <laughs> talked about zines and maybe we were talking about like DIY zines and DIY publications. And I think we kind of got to like you, like you talking about how you um, have been making books or you made books and I have like some experience. I like took like a course, uh, like a workshop to make books. And so I was interested in like really, and I like love zines and love like that kind of DIY stuff. So I think that's kind of where we, then we just kind of were like, okay, book art. <laughs> like we were like book art, paper making, future, like sci-fi, all these things mm-hmm. are like our interests. Yeah. Cool. And so what was the experience like for you to plan and reflect over the weeks to kind of build a curriculum? It was, I feel like it was like a fun process. It was like a, mm-hmm. it was a, it was like a, a fun, it was like a puzzle, I feel like, <laughs> um, of like figuring out when to do things and which, like choosing, because there's like, as I've learned, <laughs> there's very many book binding and book making techniques. So I think it was like us figuring out how to both contextualize what uh, sci-fi and future leaning would be inside of like making books and like how we would contextualize that. I think it was, yeah, I, like Amir said, it was a puzzle and I think it was fun to kind of maybe figure it out together. Um, Cause some things like we were also like, we can be goofy with this, right? Like even our initial, like, you know, curriculum outline for the eight weeks was like, what if we just name these things really s- silly like I don't know mm-hmm. and like enter the void like you know thinking in sci-fi <laughs> yeah, realms, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, and so like even our glossary reflected like you know what if we can imagine all our tools or something more right within this like meta of like, like folding the future into the interdimensionality space travel I don't know Mm-hmm. I personally felt like this class brought out like I remember like I'm actually I can be a huge dork about these things and I really like why not <laughs> uh, I really enjoy those things so why not lean into that especially as a teacher as like you know you do adopt a certain kind of persona um, and for me like if I can lean into that I feel like it's also can be really disarming for students you know to just be uh, as comfortable as possible with these things um, and invite that in the classroom as well. So planning, I don't think, was very difficult, aside from, like, you know, choosing the order of things and figuring out how much time things were going to take. Yeah. yeah. Two things I just, I really want to lift up from what you just said about being goofy and putting in your own interests in. I think that's really important because young people will respond to something that you are, like, truly into, right? Like, that you're excited mm-hmm. about and that something that you're doing in your own practice even I think they really like they can sniff out like real people <laughs> like no one else yeah, yeah and so okay. I think that's like the beauty of being a teaching artist is you can put your own vibe your own energy your own interests into your class and obviously we really value young people's opinion and decision making um, opportunities in the class as well, but to kind of have that give and take of you sharing or giving a little bit of yourself and then young people also responding and sharing and giving a little bit of themselves. And then you have the, these weeks to kind of build these relationships and make art together. I think that's really cool. Like, I think especially, I think Amira mentioned it earlier, the environment also like is necessary. If something like a place like Marwen, places like AC, like that gives 
teachers, instructors, the agency to really like, create the things that they really love and build that into the classroom. That, that's what's missing from, let's say, like CPS or other spaces where you want to be a teacher, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And how did you guys hear about Malwin? Because I know you're both relatively new to the space and to teaching here. I'm just curious, how did you guys hear about Marwin and what like made you want to work here? I personally, I, I knew about Marwin because while I was taking after school matter classes, some of my friends were taking Marwin classes. And like even my best friend, um, she would like even after she was out of Marwin, she would talk about and reference like all the fun stuff she did. And like she, she did photography and loved the darkroom. And she would always like speak so fondly of like her teachers and her time there and like just how the environment like shaped how she views art and I was like oh that's like a super dope experience and I'm like that place sounds like it was like a really good place to be and I think I I think when I like initially was like looking at teaching jobs um I would be like <laughs> stalking Marwin's <laughs> career tab like are they is there anything are they offering me jobs <laughs> um so I definitely was <laughs> I had my eyes set <laughs> on, um, on coming here what about uh, you some... Josue <laughs> uh, a similar story at least as far as the stocking part um <laughs> a, f- <laughs> a friend of mine from columbia where i went to grad school i think their little sister went to marwin or was it is still probably actively attending marwin and they told me you should look for jobs here this seems like they would fit your like energy your vibe and i think they you know y'all were hiring for kamiko's position now uh, yeah i don't think i don't think i was I don't know if you're particularly like qualified for that, but I definitely followed you know, those like socials and just like kept it, like you know stopped, just lurked. Uh, <laughs> but when I saw the you know the post and open call for applications, it, you know I felt natural. Um, I just got finished grad school. I was excited. I felt eager. So I'm glad to be here. Yes, and we're glad to have both of y'all. I think you definitely like. I can feel your comfort with each other when I walk into your class, and I think that your personality show, your class, the materials, it all works together. So I'm really curious to know what's what's been your highlight so far from your class from teaching this term. I feel like the the immediate one was the most recent one, which was seeing all of their final projects. I think every person who was in class that day put something into the exhibition. And I think just seeing like people being proud of their work and having like pot, like gain something and learn new skills. And we had even asked them like, oh, like, what do you, like, are you going to make books? Or like, how, what do you think you're taking from this class? And a lot of people responded saying that they were going to continue making books or they were really like, glad that they chose this class to like learn a new medium and like get exposed to new different methods of creating and so I think that's like the immediate highlight but also just like this is my first time teaching in person so this was like I think that's an overall highlight because it just is so (laughs) different than teaching virtually and it just feels so lovely to be in person and like in the space and be able to just like connect in that way um, because it can feel a little, you know, it can feel a little hard, like over virtual teaching. Um, For sure. What about mm. you, Oswald? I second that, of course. I was really excited for, but, you know, we didn't stress final products, but like everybody was really like working diligently to finish something that they were proud of. So it was really beautiful to see that. But for me, I think it was like the level of like ambition that like some people brought out. We teach techniques, obviously, and we like, try to choose things that are like important or like, like naturally step up, but then also 
they can be difficult, they can be things, but some people took that and were like, okay, how can I like go even further? And I love seeing that kind of thing uh, in students and try to cultivate that as much as possible. For me, that's like a success factor. And then adjacent to that is also seeing students teach other students, mm-hmm. inviting them to do so, because it feels like, you know, if you know the techniques enough to like be able to like tell somebody or teach somebody, show somebody, another student how to do that, then mm-hmm. I think you've grasped, you know, the technical aspects of this class really well. And so that was really affirming. Um, and we had that in a couple of different instances throughout the class. And I was grateful and excited to see that, you know. Yes, Definitely. love it. And so I know that just from knowing you both for this term, one of the things that kind of really pulled me into your class and why I wanted to have this episode about your work is because I just can feel just your your joy for being around young people and just like being in the space and just you're just so patient and kind with them with the young folks in the class and so I'm just curious what's your personal teaching philosophy what wakes Mm. you up and makes you want to be an educator I know that's kind of a deep question. No, that's a, that's a really good question, though. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it is a good yeah. one. I mean, I think I reflect deeply, right, on my experiences at AC and on other educational spaces where, like, it was just, like it feels different. It, the space that you have to explore, create, like the way those spaces are crafted are really like pivotal, right? So for me, like, it's easy to think like, what are my favorite spaces, and how can I recreate that? And a lot of that is like, you know, centering, of course, student voice and agency, right? Like we have things that we want to teach y'all and share with y'all, but ultimately we want y'all to be in charge of what kind of things you're interested in, how you, you know, it's, it's hard to build a curriculum also in mind with like, we want the students to drive the class. We want students to choose like particular media or techniques that they're interested in, how they want to build their books. So it's a balance between like a structure that's like telling us where we need to go uh, or like building up, but also having the students have like charge of their particular expression of those things. And I feel like as long as we can cultivate that personal expression, which considering our final products, I think we did well. Uh, every book looks pretty drastically different, actually, um, but still very like, I think up to par with like the kind of quality of work that I want to see out of a technical like book mining class. You know, uh, For me, at least those are like some of the expectations or factors that I was considering and that like are expressions of my like philosophy as far as teaching yeah makes sense what about you Amira I I feel similarly I I think another thing that I think about well one is like of course just like the experiences I had and how like that is at my core like what I'm trying to emulate is like to give that I just I, I feel like because it felt so crucial and important that I received that kind of environment and like upliftment that's like definitely what I try to um, emulate in my teaching and also thinking about like to the people who might not be as passionate about like art or just like maybe are slightly (laughs) interested or curious but need that maybe um, nurturing or like comfort to like really explore and like blossom as an artist because I feel like there's a lot of people I mean in in my own personal philosophy I feel like everyone is an artist and has the ability to create and like make beautiful art um, at whatever in whatever way they want so I feel like when I'm teaching I like also want to make sure I'm thinking about the people who might not feel as confident or as strong in 
um, their ability to create and making sure that they have like support in knowing that it's that whatever they make is beautiful and good because it's coming from them and it's something that is personal to them or something that they feel connected to. Yeah. And I, I just think like, yeah, I, I feel like I, I like it just feels so important for young people to have space to do these things because I feel like at, you're just at such a crucial moment in your life of development and like brain developing all that kind of stuff and I feel like it's just like they just need nurturing and care and like love and like space to be creative Mm. and it just feels like that is just so necessary because like because that's I think that's why teaching in schools doesn't appeal as much to me because it it feels like there's just a lot of (laughs) a lot of other things to worry about other than directly what the students need and how to center them and how to make them feel like they have agency and like how they can create their own space and they can like it just feels like this should be a space that they get to control and we're just here to like facilitate and help them and give them tools and like whatever they need totally yeah and I Mm -hmm. think that's like one of our values at Malwin is to really put the young people center the young people but also get to know them right we want to know about their lived experiences we want to know about their interests and we want to create like a safe space like where they feel like themselves they could be comfortable and be who they are and have fun making art so I think you both touched on that which is why you're amazing and why you work at Malwin because (laughs) really aligned Mm-hmm. Yay. That's <laughs> <laughs> it is. I, I feel very clicked in <laughs> yes Absolutely. awesome so I have one more question for y'all and this is more around advice so y'all have been working mm. um, at Malwin for a little minute now but you've also been working with young people or at least been in programming with young people for a while now and I'm curious to know what advice would you give someone who is starting off as a teaching artist I'm trying to think of what advice I would give myself when I was starting off in my process mm-hmm. I feel like maybe the biggest thing is to not count yourself out and to be and to believe in your abilities and believe in in mm-hmm. yourself to be able to to do what you want to do like if you want to be a teacher like you can do it <laughs> like it like I, and I yeah. think one thing I learned as soon as I came to Marlin was that teachers don't come in one you know one fit all like you know what I mean like teachers are all different and we all bring something different and that was something Mm -hmm. that I didn't realize before I was a teacher and I think what I was so nervous about was that I didn't I didn't think I was a teacher I didn't think myself and my personality fit what I thought a teacher was and then when I came to Marwin I was like oh I don't have to be like loud or I don't have to be like the things that I think a teacher should be it's like whatever a teacher is is who I am and what I'm bringing in like that kind of thing and so I think just making sure you don't, you don't count your, or like sell yourself short on your abilities and your skills and just go mm. out there and try. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I know we, we talked a little bit, I think at some point about imposter syndrome, um, mm-hmm. how that can really like take in, you know, just like you have the skills, you might like know all these things, but like, if you're still like just teaching for the first time, it feels like, am I ready? Like, can I do this? Yeah, can that's I, you know? <laughs> for me, like, you know, mentoring in this situation also is like, oh, wait, like, you know, I have to think about like what I'm doing actively, self-respectively and share that, you know? Um, so I definitely second those things in there. <laughs> yeah. um, I think something that I really appreciated from the, I think Kate or one of the staff told us from the beginning and made it a lot easier going forward was like, just design a class that you would really enjoy to be in as a student too. Like, uh, it's a recurring thing that we've talked about, I think, in, in this podcast. It was like having the agency to design the class that you want, having the agency to like, just like 
something that's an experience that's really enjoyable. Like, right, we're learning the technical stuff, we're learning, but it should be fun. It should be really like a, mm-hmm. just a blast, like, you know, Absolutely. of joy the whole time. And if you can like, just like have that in mind the whole time that you're designing, I think you're good. <laughs> Such good advice. Yes. Have fun. Cause that's, that'll be infectious, right? Everyone will feel it. Mm-hmm. The young people will feel it. Your co-teacher will feel it, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. why not? Like, why not make it fun for yourself too? So Absolutely. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. You both are both going to be joining us for the spring term in Malwin, but I want to give folks an opportunity to um, get to know your, you and your work a little bit better. So if you wanted to share a way for people to get in contact with you or see your work, feel free to do that. I, I do um, have an art Instagram. I get, I'm, I'm going to update it now that I am putting it out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no pressure. You don't have to. I just want to no, say no, that. Yeah. No, I like, I, it's, it's fine. I like people to find my art. It's still, it has my artwork on it. I just am not at, as good at Instagram as I should be. Um, but what does it mean wanna... to be good at Instagram? Right. Exactly. Oh. Nothing. <laughs> it's arbitrary. <laughs> but if people want to see some of my art, it is, um, my Instagram is at A-M-C-O-1 and then an E. So it's like at Amcole, but the L is a one. Yes. Uh, my website is just Josue sau.com it's just like my middle name Josue and SAU together um though that website that website needs to be updated like as of like a year ago so it's yeah I mean I think it's the the work that's on there is I'm still things that I'm really proud of but it's just you know time to update probably and every time I can finish updating website I feel like I have to redo it so that's just yeah that's okay (laughs) I'm always Um, updating my website too um and then my instagram i post art on there i probably will like repost things um but it's uh buck which is b-u-c-k-s-h this is a an old nickname that i got in middle school a story for another time i know i'm just gonna ask (laughs) okay what is that (laughs) (laughs) i like it And I've like thought about changing it a thousand times, and I swear to my friends, my old like you know middle school, high school friends will have my head. So uh, <laughs> I just keep you it because it that. is, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. It's a legacy at this point, so I'm holding on to it. Yes, um, awesome. Okay, so that's how y'all can get in contact with Amira and Hostwe. So feel free to you know, hit them up on Instagram, see their work or whatever, and be in touch. But you can also see their work more through Malwin. Thank you both so much for joining us. This was so much fun. I love to get to know you better. I will talk to y'all soon. See you really soon, actually. Yeah, thank you for having us. Of course. Thank you so much. In the Studio with Teaching Artists podcast gives an insider's look into Malwin's community. The podcast highlights Malwin's core values and commitment to creative youth development. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Malwin Arts to share your favorite part of the episode. Also, exciting news! Online registration will be open January 26th through February 2nd for Malwin Spring Term. Whether you like to doodle during class, take photos on your phone, alter your clothes, 
or you already have experience in creating different types of art, Mawin has something for you. Mawin's no-cost programs exist for young artists in Chicago in 6th through 12th grade who want to explore visual arts and discover new pathways. To learn more, go to www.mawin.org.